Ostia Antica. For an exciting day trip from Rome, pop down to the ancient port of Ostia, a ruined city that's similar to Pompeii, but less touristed, and in some ways even more interesting. Because Ostia was a working port town, it shows a more complete and gritty look at Roman life. Hi, I'm Rick Steves. Thanks for joining me on a walk through Ostia Antica. We'll travel the same streets the ancients did, seeing the warehouses, apartment flats, mansions, shopping arcades, and baths that served a once-thriving port town of 60,000 people. Allow about two hours for the visit, plus an hour each way to get there and back from downtown Rome. Ostia is never crowded, and you can turn your imagination loose. See how everyday Romans lived, worked, shopped, worshipped, worked out, and just enjoyed life here in the seaport that 2,000 years ago was the gateway to the city of Rome. How to use this audio guide. As you can see from the display window on your MP3 player, each of Ostia's greatest hits has its own title and track number, much like the song tracks of a music CD or album. You can skip ahead or tailor your itinerary to your own tastes. But navigating through Ostia on your own can be confusing, and it's easiest to just follow the tour in the order I've laid out. To help out, I've invited my colleague Lisa along. Hail, Lisa. Ciao, Ricardo. Lisa will give directions from one site to the next. After listening to her directions, you can pause the audio guide, then restart it at the next track when you're ready for the next site. Be aware that even with the very best of directions, sightseeing these ruins can be confusing. Pathways may be rerouted, sites covered with scaffolding, buildings closed, and entire areas can be fenced off for restoration without notice. Ostia is a sprawling place, and there are few prominent landmarks. If you're taking this tour with my Rick Steves Audio Europe app, don't miss its latest features. There are zoomable maps showing the route in each stop. These are viewable while you listen. A 20-second rewind button allows you to catch something you might have missed or hear vital directions a second time. And the speed button makes me talk faster, chipmunk style. You can read the actual script of this tour, and if you'd like more information on the spot, you can download our entire guidebook on this destination with a couple of clicks. Those following this tour on their iPod rather than with my fancier app may find that my guidebook to this place with its maps, photos, and exhibit titles can make following this audio tour easier. Also, you might consider buying the small map they sell at the Ostia ticket office. Be flexible, and don't hesitate to show the picture of a site to a local or one of your fellow travelers and ask for help. Dove. That's Italian for where is. Per favore. That means please. Mi sono perso. I'm lost? Si, mi sono perso. Dove ostia antica, per favore? And one little request. Forgive my Italian pronunciations. I anglicize them for easier understanding and because I'm still learning. Grazie. Now, let's head for Ostia and get started. Lisa, take us in. Thanks, Rick. The tour begins. Entering Ostia. We'll start our tour at the entrance to the ruins where you buy your ticket. Getting to Ostia from downtown Rome is an easy 30-minute train ride from the metro stop called Pyramid. Upon arrival in Ostia Antica, exit the train station and cross the road by way of the Blue Sky Bridge. 
Just follow the crowds, walking straight down Via della Stazione di Ostia Antica. Continue straight until you reach the parking lot. The entrance is to your left. If you're not yet at the ticket entrance, you may want to pause the audio guide and restart it once you get there. Okay, once you have your ticket, enter the site and find the map posted along the path. It's about 30 yards inside the gate on the right. As you study the map, let Rick introduce you to the ancient city of Ostia Antica. Thanks, Lisa. The map shows that Ostia was ideally located to be Rome's port town, situated at the mouth, or Ostium, of the Tiber River. The map shows the ancient coastline and the former course of the river, which eventually abandoned its city. Notice how the core of Ostia was a rectangular Roman military camp, with two major roads crossing at the Forum. Ostia was founded in the 4th century BC and gobbled up early by Rome. Ostia was important both for its salt and for its port. Its main industry was the salt gleaned from nearby salt flats, which was a precious preserver of meat in ancient times. Ostia, often called Rome's first colony, also served as a naval base, protecting Rome from any invasion by river. By about 150 BC, when Rome controlled the entire Mediterranean, there was no more threat of invasion by sea. Ostia's importance became commercial rather than military. Rome eventually outgrew the port of Ostia, and a vast new port was dug nearby, where Rome's airport now stands. But Ostia remained a key administrative and warehousing center, busy with the big business of keeping more than a million Romans fed and in sandals. Eventually, things really soured for Ostia. Rome fell, the river changed course, the port was abandoned, silted up, became a malaria-infested swamp, and was eventually forgotten. The mud that buried Ostia actually protected it from the ravages of time and from stone-scavenging medieval peasants. On our tour, we'll head west down the town's main drag, Decumanus Maximus, to the city center, the Forum. Along the way, we'll make a couple of slight detours before finishing at the Forum. Consider your visit a three-part affair. First, follow this audio tour. Next, enjoy the museum and consider getting a bite to eat at the cafeteria. Finally, explore the back lanes, going on a visual scavenger hunt as you wander your way back here to the entrance. Ready? Ready. One of four city gates is just ahead, so start walking toward it. As you approach the gate, the area on your left, just outside the city walls, was the necropolis. The Necropolis Ancient Romans buried their dead outside the city walls. Ostia was a famously pagan town, slow to become Christian. To a pagan, the closest thing to an afterlife was to be remembered. If their families could afford it, they'd have a tomb on the roadside, with a thumbnail bio carved into the stone that all could read as they came and went. For example, My name was Caius. I was a baker. Or, my name was Julius. I made fruity orange drinks. The Romans called this area a necropolis, or city of the dead. Christians preferred the term cemetery, from the Greek for resting place. You can detour left off the path to find family sepulchres marked by arches. These were private open-air rooms lined with niches for urns filled with ashes. 
Until the 1st century AD, cremation was common. Later, in the 2nd and 3rd centuries, the Romans here buried their dead in marble and terracotta sarcophagi, which were then placed in tombs. Ahead, where the road narrows, are the scant remains of what was the main entrance to the ancient city of Ostia, the gate called the Porta Romana. The Porta Romana Gate Just as Rome's Porta Ostienza faced Ostia, Ostia's Porta Romana faced Rome. Logically, just inside the gate, which was locked at night, you'd find a place to leave your animal and a warehouse. We'll see both in a moment. Inside the gate, to the left under the big tree, you can see the bits of the Latin inscription that proclaimed to all who entered, the Senate and the people of the colony of Ostia constructed these walls. The colony reference is a reminder that Ostia was the first bit of the Roman Empire. Beyond that, also on the left, is a big basin, once fed by a fountain. This was where animals could be watered. Check out the information panel with a helpful artist's reconstruction of the site. The less-than-helpful verbiage is what locals refer to as aria frita, fried air, greasy and heavy, but containing nothing of value. From the gate, Ostia's main street, the Decumanus Maximus, leads straight to the Forum, where this walk ends. Note that this road is elevated above some building's foundations. Over the centuries, Ostia's ground level rose. You can actually identify buildings from the Republic, that's centuries before Christ, and the Empire, centuries after Christ, by their level. Anything you walk down into is from that earlier period. Just inside the gate and to the right is the first of several warehouses. Start walking down the main street, checking out the warehouses all on the right. Republican Warehouses Ostia's first century B.C. was busy with activities relating to the river port. The goods of the port, such as grain from Sicily, Egypt, and the rest of North Africa, were processed and stored in warehouses here before being consumed by Rome. The warehouses had elevated floors to keep things dry. Ahead, you'll see a series of stubby brick columns. These are the remains of a roofed portico that provided a shady walkway into town. Notice the bricks. Generally, rough bricks are ancient originals, while smooth bricks are part of the reconstruction. Ostia has been picked clean since ancient times. The port's treasures, columns, statues, and precious marble ended up gracing buildings as far away as Constantinople in present-day Turkey. Continue straight ahead about 100 yards. The little well in the road isn't ancient, it's medieval, a remnant from Dark Age squatters who found shelter in these ruins. From here, you'll see a viewpoint with railings above on the right. Climb up for a view of the Baths of Neptune. The Baths of Neptune Ancient Romans loved their bathhouses, public places where people could get clean, work out, and socialize. Examine the fine mosaic on the bath's floor. It shows Neptune, the god of the sea, riding four horses through the water. Apart from the Cupid riding the dolphin, the sea looks frightening. 
It's because it was. The large square to the left of the mosaic would have been busy with people wrestling, stretching, doing jumping jacks, and getting rubdowns. The niches that ring the square housed small businesses. Now, look in the distance. The row of umbrella pines marks the original channel of the river before it changed course, abandoning the town. Climb back down to the main drag and continue to the right. At the next block, you'll reach the theater on your right. Enter the theater through its main central gate. As you enter the arch, look up. The theater. The scant remains of the stucco decor under the entry arch give a hint of the elegance of this place 2,000 years ago. Now continue to the end of the tunnel. Here, the men would bid their women farewell and take seats close to the action, while the women went to sit in the higher seats, typical of the gender division of public Rome. Farewell, Lisa. See you later, Max. Before you is a typically Roman complex mixing religion, business, and entertainment. A grand theater facing a temple surrounded by a commercial square. Up to 4,000 residents could gather in this theater. Plays were rowdy daytime events, like going to a day game at the ballpark with lots of audience participation. And heaven help a bad actor. The three rows of marble steps near the orchestra were reserved for the chairs of big shots. In its day, a wall rose behind the stage, enclosing the theater. Even today, this place, one of the oldest brick theaters anywhere, is used for concerts. You can climb to the top of the theater for a commanding view. After exploring the theater, turn your attention to some of the nearby buildings. Head for the area behind the stage, that is, farther away from the main street, where you'll find a big square. Originally, this courtyard was lined with offices. Walk counterclockwise around the square. The sidewalks are decorated with mosaics. The most notable are on the right. The Square of the Guilds This grand square evolved from a simple place where businessmen would stroll and powwow together to become a monumental square lined with more than 60 offices of shipowners and traders. This was the bustling center of Rome's import-export industry. Along the sidewalk, 2nd century A.D. mosaics advertised the services offered by the various shops. Walking counterclockwise, circle the square to read the mosaics that advertised in Latin and in pictograms for illiterate or non-Latin reading sailors. Rick, here's a symbol I can read. A lighthouse. Yeah, that was the sign of the port of Ostia. Grain containers are reminders that grain was the major import of Ostia. The elephant, marking the office of a place in present-day Libya, symbolized the sale of ivory or perhaps of exotic animals, great for parties, private spectacles, and coliseum events. The fine mosaic in the corner shows the innovative Roman ships. When ship technology enabled boats to tack back and forth and sail into the wind, commerce moved more readily, making the Mediterranean a thriving Roman free trade zone. Statues of notable local guild members and business leaders decorated the courtyard. The temple in the center was likely dedicated to Ceres, the goddess of harvest and abundance, or, in Ostia's case, prosperity from good business. 
take some time to explore the rest of the square. When you're ready to leave, head back toward the theater. As you leave the square, find the small white altar over on the far right. This would have been used to sacrifice animals such as the rams carved into the corners to ask for favor from the gods. The entrails could be read to define the future and determine whether the gods were for or against a particular business venture. This altar is a copy. The original is back in Rome. Our next stop is the mill, a few minutes' walk from the theater. To get there, return to the main street and turn right. Continue down the Decumanus Maximus about two blocks until you reach the intersection where the Decumanus Maximus crosses Via de Molini. You know, Lisa, while we walk, that altar we just saw got me thinking. No wonder it's a copy. Think about the burden on Italy of protecting and preserving what's actually all of Europe's cultural heritage against illegal digging, exportation, vandalism, weather, and pollution. There's even a special branch of the Carabinieri dedicated to art theft. Okay, so no souvenirs. About two blocks down the Decumanus Maximus, you reach the intersection with Via de Molini. It's marked by the Tempio Repubblicano on the corner to the right. Via de Molini marks where the town's first wall once stood surrounding the oldest part of Ostia. Remember, Ostia got its start as a fort, a rectangular military camp called a castrum. Before continuing straight into that oldest part of Ostia, turn right down Via de Molini. Walk about a block and a half to reach the mill. Keep going until you see a sign marking Molino del Silvano on the left. The Mill This mill building, which is also marked as a bakery or panificio, dates from 120 A.D. The lava millstones in front of you were used to grind grain. Study the workings. A bowl-like lower structure carefully cupped a moving upper section. Grain would be sprinkled in from a sack hanging from the ceiling. Mules or workers would power the grinding by walking in circles, pushing inserted wooden poles around and around. Powdery flour, with not much grit, would eventually tumble out of the bottom of the mill, ready to be made into bread. Now, backtrack half a block down Via de Molini in the direction of the main street. At the big tree, take the first right onto Via Casa di Diana. Via Casa di Diana There are two places of interest along this street. A tavern, halfway down on the left, and a typical apartment building. Across the street from the tavern, on the right. Let's hit the tavern first. Figures. At the insula of the Thermopolium, step past the grooved threshold, which once held a sliding wooden door, and belly up to the tavern's bar. Hey, Lisa, what's this? Your fingers forming a V? Nope, it's a Roman ordering five beers. You'll see display shelves with food and drinks for sale, a small sink, and a cute fresco advertising food, drink, and music. Too smoky and noisy? Just step out back and enjoy the quiet courtyard with the fountain. Across the street is the Insula of the Paintings, with stairs leading to a commanding rooftop view. 
Climb all the way to the open rooftop for a good view and a chance to imagine life here as an apartment dweller in ancient Rome. An insula was a multi-storied tenement complex where the lower middle class lived. These were miserable, cramped apartment buildings up to ten floors high. The average was about five floors. People living on the higher floors climbed ladder-like stairs to get to their rooms. There was no plumbing. It was stinky. Windows were just open holes covered with shutters or curtains of cloth dipped in grease. They let in all the street noise. Buildings were made cheaply of wood with weak foundations. That's why so many burned or collapsed. The apartments had no heat and no kitchen. Food was cooked or purchased elsewhere. Garbage was just tossed out the windows. Chariot and cart traffic were allowed only at night, and there was lots of night noise. The wealthier classes, on the other hand, lived in sprawling and luxurious mansions. These were generally built on one floor, with a series of rooms facing a central open courtyard. Decorative pools collected rainwater. Statues, mosaics, and frescoes were everywhere. Rome's wealthy were as comfortable as its poor were wretched. From this rooftop perch, find the museum. It's the modern building. Behind the museum, modern pleasure boats mark where today's Tiber spills into the Mediterranean. After Rome's fall, the Tiber River changed course. It continued to deposit silt at the river mouth, pushing the coastline further and further away. Today, the mouth, or ostium, for which the town is named, is far away. Our next stop is the Forum, ancient Ostia's main square, located a half a block away. Go back downstairs to the street. From the insula of the paintings, continue down via Casa di Diana to the end of the street toward the high brick temple called the Capitolium. This temple faces Ostia's Forum. The Forum. This square marks the center of Ostia. After Rome conquered Ostia in about 400 BC, it built a military camp or castrum. That was a rectangular fort with east, west, north, and south gates and two main roads converging here on the Forum. Throughout the empire, Roman citizens found comfort in this standard city plan. While people found it no fun to be conquered, the empire brought order and stability to their lives through laws and through the creation of grid-planned cities and grand squares such as this one. Over time, Ostia's main square became filled with monumental structures. Dominating this square was its grand temple from 120 A.D. The marble veneer was scavenged in the Middle Ages, leaving only the core brickwork we see today. Note the reinforcement arches in the brick. The temple, called the Capitolium, after the original atop Capitol Hill in Rome, was dedicated to the pagan trinity of Jupiter, Juno, and Minerva. A forum dominated by the Capitolium Temple was a standard feature of colonies throughout the empire. The purpose? To transport the Roman cult of Jupiter, Juno, and Minerva to the newly conquered population. On the opposite side of the square, distinguished by its sawed-off column, is a temple celebrating the power of the empire itself the Temple of Roma and Augustus. Its position is powerfully symbolic. The power of the emperor, who himself was divine, stands equal, facing the power of the Capitolium's big three. 
the basilica also faces the Forum Square. With your back to the Capitolium Temple, it's to your right and consists today of little more than a footprint of the original building. Dating from about 100 A.D., this was where lawyers and businessmen formalized deals. Its central nave and two side aisles led to a high altar where the judge sat. Behind the Capitolium Temple, and a bit to the right, the pink modern building houses the fine little Ostia Museum. Behind that is a shop and a modern cafeteria. From the Forum, the Decumanus Maximus continues into a vast urban expanse, great for simply wandering. We'll finish our walk at the museum in a moment. But first, let's make one more stop, the Forum Baths. To get there, walk to the front left corner of the Temple of Roma and Augustus. As you're facing it, look left for a street marked by a grand arch. Pass through that arch. This leads to Ostia's best and largest baths. They're about 100 yards down the street. The entrance is on the right. The Forum Baths As you wander around this huge complex, try to imagine it filled with naked people, steaming and busy. Government-subsidized bathhouses were a popular place in any Roman city. Like health clubs today, baths were a place to work out and relax, as well as an important social and business center. The floors and walls were heated. Roman engineers were experts at radiant heat. A huge furnace under the floor heated water and air that was then sent through pipes under the floors and in the walls. In fact, you can still see some of the hollow bricks in the walls. Notice the fine marble steps, great for lounging. They led into the pools. People used olive oil rather than soap to wash, so the water needed to be periodically skimmed by servants. Like a high-end spa, there was a laconicum, that's a sweating room, and two tepidaria where Romans were rubbed down by masseuses, and there was a steamy caldarium with three pools. Take some time to explore the baths, then exit and find the twenty-hole latrine. It's across the street and a bit to the right from the entry. Pause the audio guide till you get there. Once you find the latrine, step into the entrance. You can still see the pivot hole in the floor that once supported its revolving entrance door. Now, Look at the toilet holes. The cutout below each seat was to accommodate the washable sponge on a stick, which was used rather than toilet paper. Rushing water below each seat, brought in by aqueduct, did the flushing. Privacy? Even today, there's no word for it here in Italy. Our final stop is the Ostia Museum. But don't go until you've rinsed out your sponge. Keep it clean, Rick. That's what I mean. Oh, To get there, return to the Forum and go to the modern pink building located behind the Capitolium. The museum also has a cafeteria and shop next door. For now, pause the audio guide and restart it when you reach the museum. The Ostia Museum This small museum offers a delightful look at some of Ostia's finest statuary. Perhaps the most interesting room is to the left as you enter, just before the steps. It features statues from religions of foreign lands. 
being a port town, Ostia accommodated people and their religious needs from all over the known world. For example, the large statue of a man sacrificing a bull is a Mithraic altarpiece. Browse freely through the rest of this fine little collection. Most of the statues are 2nd and 3rd century A.D. Roman pieces, inspired by earlier and famous Greek originals. The portrait busts are of real people, the kind you'd sit next to in the baths or on the toilets. Realistic busts were a forte of Roman sculptors. Roman religion honored the man of the house and his father and his grandfather. A statue of daddy and grandpa was common in the corner of any proper house. Also, with the emperor considered a god, you'd find his bust in classrooms, at the post office, and so on. The sarcophagi, the marble coffins, generally feature mythological scenes. As you browse, don't worry too much about exactly what's what. Just wander and imagine these fine statues, tangled wrestlers, kissing cupids, playful gods, adorning the courtyards of wealthy Ostia families. While this museum is the end point of our tour, Ostia has more to offer. As you make your way back to the entry gate, you can go on an archaeological scavenger hunt through Ostia's back streets. Find the hidden mosaics, fading frescoes, and fast food joints of these ancient and fascinating people. Or just take a break in the museum cafeteria, reflect on the passage of time, and stick something tasty in your ostium. We hope you enjoyed our walk through Ostia Antica. If you're up for more sightseeing, we also have audio tours available for Pompeii and for other Roman sites, the Colosseum, Forum, Pantheon, Sistine Chapel, St. Peter's Basilica, Trastevere, and the Jewish Ghetto. Remember, this tour was excerpted from the Rick Steves Rome Guidebook, co-authored with Gene Openshaw. For more details on eating, sleeping, and sightseeing in Rome, refer to this year's edition of that guidebook. For more free audio tours and podcasts, and for information about our TV shows, bus tours, and travel gear, visit our website at ricksteves.com. Thanks to Francesca Caruso and Gene Openshaw, co-authors of this tour. This tour was produced by Cedar House Audio Productions. Grazie. Arrivederci. And buon viaggio.